0: Supervised. Welcome into a special trade deadline episode of Unsupervised, brought to you by your friendly writers here at Stanley Cup of Chatter. I'm editor Jake Reiser. Joining us today is Sky. How are you doing today?
1: Good, good. How are you? Friendly's a bit strong, but I will definitely take it. Uh, it's been a an very interesting word. <laughs> it's a great word. May not always describe the uh, the trade deadline, especially uh, fan reaction right after, but that's why we're here. Why don't you uh, introduce our, our our fellow cohort, as it were?
0: Our fellow cohort, as well as Adam Denhard. Adam, how's it going with you? I am psyched to
2: sit back, relax, and watch non-trade threatening end of regular season hockey. Finally, the trade deadline for me is like for. Whatever reason, it's super stressful because you want to splash, you don't want to splash, you don't want to lose anything. I, I'm glad it's passed. We're
0: moving. My on. my girlfriend today said I looked like a madman because I had my TV on NHL Network, I had um stream on my computer of T. I and I had my phone on Twitter as I was streaming, as I was going back and forth trying to figure out all the news that was going on. So I certainly can deal with all that stress.
2: Well, you know oh. my activity on Twitter too. I I think I refresh Twitter more often than I read an email today, which is. The only day of the year that that
1: happens for me. Oh, man. I don't, I'm don't. i not even sure I slept to today, <laughs> like, the last couple of days. Because after the all the Mark Stone and the Ryan Dezingle trades went through and the Matt Duchesne trades went through, it's just like the floodgates opened. And I just had to, I had to be glued to my computer just to make sure I didn't miss anything.
0: Well, with that, we can certainly get started. Because you're right, one of those trades came... Pretty early on Monday morning, this was traded to the uh, to the San Jose Sharks from Detroit in exchange for some draft picks. Uh, And it just kind of went on throughout the whole day. We had um, New Jersey basically kind of say, we're done here. They gave Keith Kincaid to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we'll talk about our acquisition of Marcus Johansson later. Um, Another one of the big pieces um, coming from the New York metropolitan area was Kevin Hayes with the New York Rangers going to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Adam McQuaid going to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm sorry for one of our writers, Matt McGurk, who really wished that Adam McQuaid came back to Boston, but that was just not in the cards. Uh, some other interesting moves, uh, Michael Granlund going from Minnesota to Nashville in a one for one deal for Kevin Fiala.
1: While his wife was of- <laughs> was in labor in Minnesota, he, he got the news. It was very, very awkward.
0: Hey, Paul, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's still in labor? Good. Yeah, we're just going to have you uproot your entire life and you're going to move to the South now. How's that?
1: Hey, honey, we're, go- we're going to the South. Do they have an epidural in the
0: South? <laughs> Primal screaming. <laughs> yeah,
1: just furious screaming.
0: Oh. oh, man. That might be one of the best trade scenarios to hear that I've heard in a while. I mean, it's unfortunate for Michael Grinland and his family that I happen to be in such a stressful time, but that's one of the more unique ones I think I've
1: heard. Yeah, it was, you, do, you don't think about, I, I think many fans don't really think about how they're, that these players are still, in fact, human beings, though they may be freaks of nature. And, you know, they've got like wives and families and all that, that they're trying to start in Ramlin's case or, uh, or, you know, try and keep together. So a bit awkward, but hey, I think he'll do well in his new home of Nashville. I'm sure once she uh, takes a look at all that uh, nightlife and all those cl- and all those nice clean schools, she'll be totally okay with it. She'll also well, probably be on more pain medication than anyone, so she'd probably move anywhere and she'd be in a good mood.
0: I mean, that sounds about right. She's probably gonna
2: rest until she can join him in Nashville. But I think, I mean, if she's gonna enjoy it and has some support in the city, you know that he's the that he's going to enjoy it, just going to play for the team, getting out of, not not to trash Minnesota, but moving from Minnesota into, you know, a a serious contending competitive team is a positive for a hockey player. Oh, yeah. Speaking
0: of Nashville and contending teams, you know, there are some other moves that we'll talk about later. They're on the Mark Stone trade, Um, Erica Branson and Tanner Pearson. Mm -hmm. But – um let's talk about some general themes of the trade deadline are some western conference teams really gave it their all they're thinking that this is their last stand this is the end of their window and they're going to make the most of it nashville also getting wayne simmons from the philadelphia flyers in exchange for ryan hartman the Winnipeg jets i think made six or seven trades they had to have been the most active people during the trade deadline today um san jose with gus nyquist really going for it despite i don't think having a ton of money Do you guys see those three as the biggest teams to contend with out in the West after this deadline?
1: I'm confused by what a lot of what uh, Winnipeg did. Like a lot of the names they got were perfectly functional players. But the problem is, is that like a lot of these guys aren't going to really make the difference between a playoff win against really anyone out West, especially a, Central division that's so tight. I'm very confused as to why they got a lot of these guys that especially have been looking a bit uh, on the aged side. if that makes any sense, like they're not they're a little past their own primes. So yeah, they were very active, but I'm not sure it was in the right way as, so I'm not super worried about them, if anything. Uh, the Gustav, the Gustav Nyquist trade, though that that was very scary to me the sharks might never might never go a game without scoring again i'm very very uh concerned with how that's going to play out for teams i might like out there i mean they still have to figure out their goaltending which is bad very very just distressingly bad but you know i i kind of agree with the decisions they made so all over and over i i think uh Everyone who is still a pain in the rear uh, starting in the Western Conference is probably still going to be that way. So I just don't think that's really uh, fixed anything for teams like the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, What do you think, Adam?
2: Yeah, you know, the Jets made a bunch of moves in the last 48 hours, but nothing other than, like, I'm still kind of scratching my head at the Bollier acquisition, but, you know, if he's going to... I'm sure he's nice. I'm sure he's very nice, but I I don't see them having made any sort of a move. And, you know, this is kind of the worry that Bruins fans had over the last couple of years of like, well, you've acquired somebody, but it doesn't move the needle. And, you you know, I've heard some people apply that to this year, but I don't feel that way. We can get to the bees in a little bit. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) Nyquist was my dark horse, like, prayer of the Bruins acquiring just because – I think that he would have really meshed well with Krejci. I think the two of them are equally capable of controlling the puck, and I don't think that either of them really like like a cane or, or somebody that's a a puck hog is a bad word, but maybe uh, just prefers to drive play themselves. I don't think either of them play like that, and so I thought that was really going to make the second line for Boston uh, like uh, unstoppable and equally compatible alternating with the first line. So and unfortunately they went to he went to San Jose so that's never going to happen and I don't want
1: I mean the good news the good news is we'll only have to think about them if if luck willing they go to the uh, semi-cup playoffs.
0: That's, that's true. true. That's true. That's LeBron did say though that LeBrun did say that the Bruins were the Eastern Conference team most likely to acquire Nyquist before the Sharks got him. So in a van like last year, it seemed like we were a runner-up for something.
1: Yeah, but now we're just a runner-up in a different way.
0: Well, I don't think – There you go. But we weren't a runner-up for
2: Johansson, right? I don't think anybody else probably called New Jersey about it. I don't think so. So we
0: we won that one, guys. We're not a runner-up.
1: Won Trabe. trade.
0: That market was all hinged by the team that I'm actually going to put as my favorite for the Western Conference, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights again. Well... Yeah. That, <laughs> that top yeah. six is just striking. Marcia Stone, I, Ca- William Carlson, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Paul Stasny, and Alex Tuck is a force.
1: I don't know how George McPhee keeps getting away with it. Like, they keep doing this. And reali- realistically speaking, eventually one of these trades has to go poorly... And the one that I thought was is probably going to go long term the worst is that you gave up a genuinely fantastic prospect. And the crazy thing is, it may not even matter because you may have a Stanley Cup by the end of this. The Golden Knights are are had an absolutely phenomenal trade deadline season, even if you know you gave up probably some of the best players in in your system to do so. And they still look so good. That's the crazy thing is that they didn't lose anybody in their roster. And I think that was actually a, uh, part, an interesting part of this trade deadline season is, you know, a lot of teams were way night easier to uh, deal with because they weren't thinking about losing a roster player. And they just gave out conditional picks like they were candy. So a lot of teams are, at least the ones that wanted to buy, got to buy without breaking the bank. That was really fun for me. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But yeah, yeah. Um, Vegas is scary now.
2: Yeah, Vegas Vegas is scary. The, the top six is frightening. And I am, you know, I'm legitimately worried about watching Bronstrom grow up in, you know, oh, the yeah. eastern neck of the woods and like oh, <laughs> watching right. with the opportunity for like, you know, what if Boston was able to pry him out? Probably not, but at least, you know. It's like watching Darlene in Buffalo, and now there's another top prospect nearby that we couldn't have acquired. It's a, you know we we have some in the pipeline, but that's frustrating to see. There was no there the was no top handout. prospect yeah.
0: like Brandstrom you could have given up as much as Brandstrom no, is now right. going into the sinkhole that is the Ottawa Senators. Unfortunately for the league, well, I mean, and, but for our State for our perspective, won, there's
1: because, hope. Yeah. There's hope because all, all Eric's in Ottawa, as we all know, have worked out fantastically.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, the one thing I will say about um, Vegas sinking money into things is that is that eight year, nine and a half per extension on Stone. Again, the Bruins wouldn't have been able to do that. There was no, no. way they could have sunk that amount of money into an extension for Stone.
2: Yeah, yeah very few teams they could really have Kept that offer down for Boston. I'm glad that they didn't go too. Steep on that to try and get him because that would have been too much out of the pipeline to to give up.
1: Yeah, I mean, good on him. Uh, apparently, there is no uh, there is I forget what exact kind of tax it is, but they don't have it out in uh, Nevada. So uh, I believe it's no s- he,
0: state tax. No state I, tax.
1: So there you go. He got. He's getting every single penny of that nine million. Good. I on got it him. from
0: David. From David Pagnotta of the fourth period, Vegas has no state tax, which is equivalent to what would compare to $13 million per year for an extension in Ottawa. That's what Ottawa Woo! would have had to have given up to equate what Vegas is going to give Stone.
1: God dang. Maybe that's why Vegas has done so well. Is that they can just say, we can hand you as much money as humanly possible and nobody can stop us.
0: We'll, it will uh, actually go in your pocket. Well give
2: me a New Hampshire
0: team then and let them collect <laughs> all stars. The the Manchester monarchs suddenly arise and become the thirty-third <laughs> NHL team. Wait, I'll do you one
2: better. The Los Angeles Kings move to Manchester and just flip their <laughs> yes, NHL team. Yes,
1: Absolutely. <laughs> if anything, LA, LA fans would LA respect the move. It's all good. It's all good.
0: It's Alright, they're going to go somewhere where they're appreciated. It's a beautiful home. Beautiful. You know, I'm moving to Manchester, and speaking of closer to home, we may as well just bring it home and talk about the Bruins at the trade deadline. They didn't get any big splashes that they were rumored, no Mark Stone, no Artemi Panarin, but they got players without necessarily sacrificing their current roster. They acquired Charlie Coyle from Minnesota wild in exchange for Ryan Donato, who I think we'll all have mixed feelings about at why Donato was included over other prospects. And then they got Marcus Johansson today from the New Jersey devils in exchange for a second round pick in 2019 and a fourth rounder in 2020. So how did the Bruins do?
1: Uh, do you want to go first, uh, Adam?
2: Sure. Yeah, I I um I thought they did okay. I I thought I'm honestly more excited about the Charlie Coyle acquisition than I think a lot of us. And I think that Donato is a fair enough price to pay, um, especially because the pick that got thrown in is fourth or fifth round, and it's you know you can you can make something happen with a draft pick, but it's it's still a gamble. And and if you know that you're Acquiring somebody that has some pretty high level talent and skill with the puck um and just I think needs a way to reboot you know to to get a new charge and I like I like coyle's game that we've seen in the one he's played so far. I'm looking forward to seeing him um on Tuesday night against San Jose and I think that was a, a decent acquisition. I don't know what to do with Marcus Johansson um, because, you know, if if the if the need after acquiring Coil was to bolster then your top six either with a scoring threat or uh, probably with a scoring threat because of the balance of the rest of the skill on the top two lines. I I, I agree with a couple of us that. We're tweeting about it that think that he's probably more suited to the bottom six, um, which is, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for Solark to stick with Krejci, but I don't think that's a, I I don't think it's a a new leap beyond acquiring coil. So it it fell flat for me on trade deadline day, but I think they still made some moves to make them better.
1: Yeah, I I kind of agree. Um, The most important thing that they had that you either needed to figure out was uh, second-line right wing or third-line center. And both of those would have probably set you back. And Don did a fantastic job uh, coming up with Coil. Uh, he came up without having to give up too much. I know that there's a lot of people who really think that uh, Ryan Donato re- could become something awesome in the future, especially the near future. But the thing is, is that he's probably not going to help the team now. Like we've seen what he looks like in Boston with this team, with where he is being played, and right now that's not in a gr- that's not in a great position for him to succeed. And you could say, oh well, then you could just move him up the lineup because he was playing with the third line, and maybe see if he gets better there. Thing is, you don't have time for that. You know, you have you can absolutely say that guys like uh, David Pasternak would be better su- suited to that second line, and if maybe Ryan Donato would have been a better first liner, but we don't know because at this point he was just too inconsistent to truly show uh, what he's showing in fairness in Minnesota right now, which, you know, that's the, r- the risk you run. But if you had to make a choice between uh, a maybe player in Ryan Donato, who might be a yes, definitely kind of player in the near future, I think I'd probably take a I think I'd probably take Charlie coyle who is a definite um, it's two it's two really nasty issues that should have been solved in the uh, off season and I'm glad they decided to just go with the third line in general because I think that the third line in general was just inconsistent at best and actively detrimental to the team's chances at worst and you know you can get a Good right winger or at least a half decent winger during the next during the next off when any number of these upcoming UFAs decide that they don't want to resign in pl- a place they you know may or may not have lost in the first round with um, as for the as for the the actual day of the trade deadline they were in on a ton of people I was kind of disappointed seeing all those names that they especially considering. You know, especially guys like Gustav Nyquist, who probably could—they considering the amount of picks that they gave up—that uh, at least uh, San Jose gave up. The Bruins absolutely could have matched that, and you know, it, it's not. Neither of those two are sexy picks, but they do—they do the smart thing of keeping the of keeping the team under the cap. They keep the team without they keep the team uh moving in the right direction coming towards playoff time and it will probably and it'll work out for the time being that's that's what i need from them right now is to make this next 20 or so games count for something cuz that was there there's been moments during this season that definitely have looked like uh they've needed anybody except the guys that they have on their third line, and it it'll it'll help out in the long term. I think to have a bunch of guys going back into developmental spots. So, I'm I don't consider it the greatest trade deadline they've ever had, but it is a an acceptable one.
2: Yeah, it's a reality to accept that you you know they've they've stockpiled the yeah. miners and and some of the draft picks. It's time to spend some of those to make some moves and.
1: But on top of that, they said up and down. They didn't want to spend their first-round pick, and almost all those sexy choices came with a conditional first at best, at the very, very best, or a conditional second that became a first or something like that where, you know, the Bruins got hurt bad by not having their first round or the, the first round or last year, and they paid for Rick Nash, and he didn't end up, uh, being that much of a difference for the team. So I think Don has learned quite a bit in the really harshest way, how to uh, uh, come up with a uh, frugal deal without breaking the bank. And that does mean, unfortunately that they have to sometimes take a player who's less than uh name brand, but that's fine. Especially if it means, you know, you want to stay in the first round, which, for my, for my sake, considering I usually end up doing most of the draft uh, coverage is very good for me so that I can just start focusing on one or two or three players instead of, you know, trying to find out who is the, I don't know, 31st best prospects in, in uh, according to central scouting or something like that. I'm very, I'm glad that they have their first round pick probably more than Don Sweeney is.
0: I think if the goal for the trade deadline was to come out of it better than you went into it, I think he accomplished his job. And the fact that he didn't have to break the bank to do that is only a plus on top of that. You're right. I think looking back at last year, giving up that first round draft pick for Rick Nash, who subsequently did next to nothing and then retired. Well, he got hurt. a real so. kick. Yeah, well, he got hurt. Yeah, but... In his time in the lineup, when he came back, when he, in the playoffs, he had one game where he did a good job, and otherwise it was almost non-existent. Yeah. It was a little bit of a kick in the family jewels, to say the least, to have to give up a first-round pick for what we ended up getting out of him. Yeah. Yeah. To keep that, even if, say, we make the playoffs, we make it out of the first round, our first round pick is somewhere in the 20s. mid-20s. And that generally doesn't have the greatest rate of success for where you draft. Especially in this draft, which I uh, have read is very top-heavy, it's the first fifteen to twenty picks that are really good, and then it's a huge drop-off. That's fine.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: They have, I mean, and, and the bees are sitting on three of the first four rounds in twenty nineteen, three of the first four rounds in twenty twenty, and then they're fully stocked the next year. So it's not like they're going to be hurting for draft picks. To yeah you know they have the they have right. the players that they have now it's easy to take stock of what you have and then say okay well let's go get something better if that's a something that uh, someone else is willing to buy right and I think that I think to Sweeney's credit like we've said already I think he did a decent job of not moving much that affects a current playoff roster for Boston while making and, it a little bit better
1: and more importantly they didn't it's pretty clear that the team has a clear number one and number two prospect. And they were very, very loyal to those two. And that was probably be uh, a and then Stuttnika. And they didn't even entertain the idea of moving them. If like, if anything even asked for them, it seemed like the idea was to just keep those two on staff, no matter what. And I appreciate that. I appreciate they were, n- while they may have a nasty reputation, as a team, not necessarily Don Sweeney of giving up early on players that can do positive things for the team. Uh, I think, you know, this was a, this is an encouraging sign that they know what they're going to get out of these guys in the future. And I'm very, I'm in general, I'm, I, I would call it a, if I had to give it a grade, I call it mm, B, B average. I'll be optimistic and call it B average. Cause it didn't get it. I didn't get what I like, what I'd like to see, but I also got everything that was important, at least for the upcoming season, and that to me is way more important than, you know, do we finally have that n- that new big name that can put us over the hump, as it were.
0: I'm gonna, g- I would give it an A minus. Okay, and that's because I'm gonna put it in comparison to where our division rivals are, and what they did. The people who are at really competing with, for these playoff spots in Toronto and Montreal, they made really surface depth moves. They didn't do much at all. Yes, Toronto got Jake Muzzin a while ago, or in mid-January, and that definitely helps them with their defense, but looking at the market, and today today was basically the hottest the market was ever going to be, They made a death move and got Nick McCann. The Canadians, of all people, they just got Jordan Wheel. They both have needs. Are they great? Are they very good teams? Yes, they're very good teams and certainly have given themselves good chances to make the playoffs. But I think the Bruins did a better job of directly addressing some of their needs than the rivals that they're competing against. And I think it's going to give them an edge when it comes to playoff, when it comes to making the playoffs first off. And then when it comes to the playoffs as a whole, I think it's going to give them a little bit of advantage as much as Tampa Bay is still certainly the one to beat in my head in the Eastern Conference. The Bruins certainly gave themselves a chance to give themselves a good run up until they hit Tampa. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Totally agree. Um, More importantly, the thing that they didn't do that they probably should have is strap uh, the Leafs, especially what they should have done is strap him to a chair or uh, a clockwork orange style. And so su- suggest to him that playing Ron Hainsey, the way that he has been is in fact a terrible, terrible, awful idea. And they didn't do that, which is a huge boon on the Boston Bruins. If God forbid, we have to go do this dance again of the first round between Boston and Toronto. Uh, Cause frankly, it, as many wonderful toys as the Leafs have right now, and that depth move doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because they've already got a pretty half-decent roster. Uh, their their biggest problem, ironically, has nothing to do with, uh, the, with anyone who's actually uh, – it doesn't really have anything to do with the personnel. It's about usage. And it's been u- the issue of usage for quite a while now, and they haven't quite—they haven't really fixed it, at least in a way that makes sense. So, I think the Boston Bruins, especially in comparison to say—and then you said that Jordan Wheel went to the Habs, right? Yep. Yeah, um, that doesn't matter whatsoever because uh, that doesn't improve their depth at all especially considering how bad their death is in reality and Mm -hmm. there. So I'm not, I'm not super worried about, you know, this and maybe next year for the Leafs and the Leafs and the Habs. I am ironically more worried about the Sens in 2021, 2022 than I am about any team within the next year and a half. If that makes any sense. Like, What's way... intriguing
0: is the team that I would be intrigued to see next year that made a move that confused me a bit, but I'm starting to realize what it's for, is Buffalo. Well,
1: I, I they, think got
0: I... Brand, they got Brandon Montour from Anaheim yesterday, and I went, why? You're, you're still a decent ways out of a playoff spot, and it's not necessarily going for a move, but it's shoring up what they can do for next year because now they're in a better position to fix holes in the offseason to make them good.
1: That is true. More importantly, it gives them a great opportunity to at long last get rid of Rasmus Risteline. And I know they love the guy out there, but the way that they play him is just heinous. And it has been actively detrimental to the way that they play. So as far as I'm concerned, if this is their way to finally figure out what's wrong with them and actually address it, then good on them. They finally found a balance for it. So, but... I don't know i think there's i think there's some still some other things that they need to go figure out before they uh they really say that they that they're ready to go take take a uh take a playoff spot they just look still so back they're still, they look still so far back you know they just don't look like a team that can do much do much in the playoffs now. Or even in the near future, they're just so disorganized when they when you watch them play.
2: Yeah, that early charge to the season was really misleading because I think everybody was just totally in shock of how well Buffalo got going this year. And it was, you know, fresh faces and, and there's some excitement around that, which is good for a team. And I think that I, I think you're right, Jake, that they're a oh, Maybe not worry, but they're going to be in the mix in the next couple of years. It's not super far off, um, and that salary move with shipping out uh, Bollier and bringing in Montour was definitely in their favor for the future. So, but they and and they still have an exciting team to watch on some nights with with regards to individual play. So there's you know there's motivation for fans to get in the seats and keep coming out for games, but. Um, for me, I, I think the surprise was not a ton of movement from Tampa Bay, um, and even though they're sitting, you know, they're sitting pretty in the Atlantic spot, and they're just killing it in the East right now. Um, you know, why would they need to make a move? Uh, I feel like even with Steve Eisenman taking a backseat in the leadership role, that they would still have something up their sleeve you know, whether or not Eisenman was advising on it, but that there was something just, just waiting that that we weren't going to be ready for, um, which as a, you know, as a Boston fan, I'm pleasantly surprised, but it's still a surprise to not see something happen. Um, and I think to, to Jake's point about Toronto, just kind of making the depth move for Muzzin doesn't move the needle a lot for Toronto. Um, and, and the, the folks at the wildcard slot and, and down honestly don't feel like anything's going to surprise us for the rest of the regular season. You know, I, teams will shuffle around, and I want to say that Pittsburgh's probably going to make a drive to get back up. You know, not with that, not
1: with the move they not made. With like Branson, not with Eric Branson, no, no that. not it. with Jack Johnson, Eric Branson as their first pairing defense.
2: Well, honestly, aye, they, aye. They, they're probably just they're just getting them in town so they can sit them and they'll just play their top four the whole time. Because isn't that <laughs> how they won like the first of the like, string of cups? Was just I'm... no depth defense and twenty eight and a half and a half minutes a night from everybody else
1: crap you may have a point
2: like it you know it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me for pittsburgh to make a charge and maybe buffalo to you know regain some of their vigor from the beginning of the season but you know philly losing simmons rangers shipping out everybody and the dirty laundry there's nothing else in the eastern conference that feels like there's going to be a major shift in what the playoff picture looks like and, I don't uh, know. You,
0: you look at Columbus, as much as they're still doing pretty well right now, um, sitting in third in the Metro, Matt Duchesne, Ryan DeZingle, Keith Kincaid, Adam McQuaid, two of those four names might be the sexier ones, but they Adam well, strapped themselves. They, them, they strapped themselves for bear, They're loaded for bear. They're ready to go, if any team. I think Columbus is poised to be a really good powerhouse right now. Yeah, I
2: think they made the right move in keeping Panarin, and, and, you know, if, whether or not the offers weren't high enough or whatever, I think whether it was sticking to their guns or just saying, you know, this is somebody we want to put the team on come May and June, I think they made well, the right call.
1: Having Matt Shane show up in your hands at all Especially considering how inconsistent their center depth has been. That that changes everything. I, I'm fairly certain they were probably thinking about this Monday as like, all right, this is when we're gonna start really weeding through our uh our offers for Panarin. And then they get Matt Duchesne, which was announced oh, I don't know, at the beginning of this of last week. And they no one could have no one prepares to suddenly have a really good player dropped in your lap that changes your entire fortunes. Like they don't really, they didn't really have to do every anything once they had a uh, and they could have just said, you know what, our rental this year, our Temi Panarin, I'm sure fans are really going to love him. And that's probably how that, that situation moved on. And then they just kept going and kept going and kept going I really like that Jarmo Kekalainen has decided that draft picks are for nerds. That was a huge, I really appreciated that, he, if nothing else, he's willing to do something crazy in the name of trying to get a single playoff series win. That's, a, that's at least a way to say to your fans, hey, man, we have no idea what's going to happen. We definitely don't know what's going to happen after this offseason, but, man, we're going to try. And that I think we might lose
0: our Temi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, but we as may we may as well go out with a bang as are, loud as our cannon. Like we're going
1: to blow it's the cannon very up.
0: Short-sighted, but I mean,
1: <laughs> it's, who yeah, cares? It's excited. I mean, they already, but they already have a
0: cannon. Like, where,
2: what one more explosions do you need? Just score goals.
0: Daryl <laughs> yeah, Kekalainen the and uh, the Blue Jackets front office sitting at Nationwide Arena. So, how do we go about this trade deadline? All of a sudden, uh, Let's arena, go again, uh, uh, showing, baby! an arena That's worker right. accidentally slips and sets off the cannon. That's it.
1: Done. What? We got it. That's it.
0: That's how we do it.
1: Wait, was they all my, re- was all my cocaine in there? <laughs> but man, that it really does feel like it was an over the kind of overconfidence you only get on powerful stimulants in a trade deadline. But you know what? It were it as far as. I'm concerned. It looks like it's going to work out beautifully. Just looking at their daily face-off, uh, that's a that's a tough team to beat. Just looking at that on uh, what they think it's going to look like. Just their first, just their first line alone is scary. It's Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, Cam Atkinson. Who uh, who's next? Who cares? Who cares? That beat that first ridiculous. line first. And then you gotta go and face Boone Jenner, who's going on a resurgent time. Josh Anderson, who's great. Nick Foligno, who's been good. And then Pierre Luc Dubois, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Ryan Zingle. Like you get to, you don't have really a super bad forward core here anymore.
0: Don't forget Colin Beswick's favorite former Bruin, Riley Nash. Of well, of course that.
1: Yeah, I think of how deep your. Center. Think how deep your team is that Riley Nash isn't. Your third line center. That's a really good team. I'm very, very excited to see how a how far they go because it doesn't matter who they play at this point. They're going to give them a run for their money, or you know how badly this blows up in their face if recent history continues on. But I'm very, I'm very excited for to see how this how the last 20 games play out, and especially how the first round plays out because. Everyone in a playoff spot right now, I love just looking at this and saying, oh, this could get bad. This could get real bad.
0: So then let's bring it down into the home stretch. Yep. Uh, now that the trend deadline is over, now that the moves that were to be made have been made, how does this all finish out?
2: Uh, yeah, I I'm going s- to to reserve my letter grade because I didn't really want to grade the trend line. Trade, trade line. The trade deadline moves. Let's
0: not go with letter grades. Yeah. Where <laughs> but, are the Bruins going to finish in the standings?
2: Uh, I think they are firmly in second in their division. Uh, overall standings, top five, maybe.
1: Uh, let's see. I'm going to say, you know, they play. they had a phenomenal road trip. They really, really showed that they're actually kind of gelling as a team and they're finally getting healthy, for one thing. And this is the crazy part. They are still at least a couple weeks without David Pasternak, thank, no thanks to his accident or whatever the hell it was he did to himself. And they're still winning. They're still you know, coming together as a team and saying, we can be a little more than just our first line. And I think that they could probably hang on to this second, uh, this, uh, second, uh, second in the Atlantic spot and uh, maybe see how they go from there you know the Leafs the Leafs are very good but they still have those inconsolable problems in their lineup and in their coaching as good as their coach is that really keeps bringing them down so I think they'll be in a better spot come uh, come, come the end of the season I think they'll probably hang on to where they are they might slip up and go to third because it's it's usually around like April or March where they have just like a really rough stretch in anticipation for the playoffs and then they're fine but I I think they'll be fine they'll probably just at worst third at best second and tempting Tampa Bay to stop but they won't but they will be a very good second place I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be just fine
0: I believe I said this in a podcast prior this season but the Western Conference road trip has been a barometer for the team in years past, and I thought was going to be one of the tougher ones. Anaheim, who we somehow never really do well against at the Honda Center. The Kings, who play a really tough game and seem to match us pretty well. San Jose, who does a really good job at just beating us in general, and Ooh. who have looked like dynamite this year. Vegas, who also looks like dynamite this year. And St. Louis, who all of a sudden was on an 11-game win streak and came out of nowhere to be from so far out of the playoffs to being in the playoff picture. Never the fact mind, that the Bruins did the so well. beat them on the
2: West trip.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The fact that the Bruins did so well on that road trip and then got better as a team, at least on paper, thereafter, I definitely think they keep that second. You're right. I hope that best-case scenario, they're tempting Tampa to look down and go, oh, no. what? Did Sky just hang up? Uh, yeah, it looks like it. I'll, I'll just do my last thing, and we'll use that as a wrap-up. All right, go for it. So, for that Western Conference road trip, as the barometer for the year, the fact that they got better as a roster on paper, at least, thereafter, having taken 9 of 10 points, I think that bodes really well for them keeping the second spot in the Atlantic. Yeah, best-case scenario, I hope they're, they've got Tampa looking down at them and going, oh, crap they could actually be competitive against us in a seven-game series. But you know what? You're right. Every team is human, and they're prone to having a little bit of a slip-up at some point, and that could end up happening. But I think with the way the division is um, constructed at the moment, with the way that the Bruins are playing right now, I think they've got themselves a pretty good spot at retaining that second seed. And just like that, another trade deadline has ended. And just like that, we're rejoined by Skylar.
1: (laughs) My apologies. Sometimes my internet decides that I have to take a break. Always get some water, kids.
0: There you go. So let me do that a second time, and then we can do some commentary on that rather than me just wrapping it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, as I've said in podcasts past, the Western Conference Road Trip is a bit of a barometer for this team. Anaheim, who we can never seem to win against in Anaheim at the Honda Center. LA, who's a tough team and always seems to have that kind of grit that matches us, and we play weird games as a staple center. The Sharks, who just have a tough time winning against in the first place and also are playing like wildfire this year. Vegas, who is also back to playing like wildfire this year. And then St. Louis, who was going from being a no-nothing team this year to winning 11 in a row and all of a sudden they're back in the playoff picture. This was going to be one of the toughest challenges to boot. And the fact that we took 9 out of 10 points out of that road trip and then at least on paper got better as a roster, I think that's going to bode well for the Bruins keeping that second spot in the Atlantic. Yeah, you're right. I hope Tampa's looking down at us by the end of the season going, oh, crap, these guys could actually be competitive. But they're so far ahead of us at this point. They don't even need to look down. They just can keep going forward and going, all right, we've got this division basically under lock and key. But I'm hoping that by the end of the season, they just have a little bit of a twinge of like, oh, God, what's coming up behind us? That's the best hope I have, and that's what I think the Bruins can do.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. They're – it's – that road trip was fantastic, and I was truly expecting, if not a, a really weird loss, then just an absolutely outright ridiculous loss against at least one of LA or San Jose, because that's just kind of the way that those games have been played in recent memory. But they did okay. They looked perfectly fine, and they addressed one of their two biggest needs. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned... I think that they I think that this could be a half decent I think this is going to be a half decent uh lock to stay as second in the Atlantic. I mean, you never know where they might end up overall in the east, which is which would really be a fun barometer, but hey, uh weirder things have happened.
0: Weirder things have happened for sure. Uh we've seen a team Made up of completely know nothings, of scrap heaps and people on the throwaway pile. Make it to the Stanley Cup final. Cough, cough. Vegas last season. You know, but there are a lot. You know Anything scrap can happen now.
2: Right after all that work,
0: they are certainly not the scrap heap now, and it's going to be—it's certainly going to be a wild ride to the finish. There's about a month and a half left until we get to mid-April. It's going to be great to see where these teams line up, Nuts. where the playoffs are going to line up. It's gonna be stressful. Don't get me wrong. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be stressful, but yeah. I think that this league, is the way this trade deadline ended up. They're certainly gonna give us a run for our money.
1: Yeah, it's gonna. It's gonna. You, I have. I think the the best part of this trade deadline season is that I'm pretty sure no one really changed how they would look during this during the current season. Maybe one or two teams would uh, jump. Jump up in their is how they're going to do in how they're going to do in uh, the playoffs. Like this is all this whole deadline was gearing up for round one, and round one is going to be so much fun just because of that.
2: Hello, Toronto again, anyone?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's not going to (laughs) – that's going to still be the case, but that's that's just a quirk of the uh, obnoxious.
0: I might have to take those two weeks off. Oh, my God. The stress of watching those games. I think with the two potential playoff opponents we have, whether it's Toronto keeping it or Montreal somehow sliding back up, We're going to have a lot of demons to face and a lot of history to go up against once again.
1: I would rather not face Montreal, thanks.
0: Neither would I. Uh, You know what? That's why we've got another month and a half to find out. Please be. You know what? I think that's going to wrap it up for another episode of Unsupervised. Uh, Sky, Batam, thanks for joining us. We'll get back to regularly scheduled programming, talking more about the Bruins um, with our next episode, but... This was certainly fun. This was great to talk about the trend deadline. I'm excited to see where we go from here. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey, no problem.
0: Go Bees. Go Bees. There you go. You... Go Bees is right. You can follow us on Stanley Cup of Chowder at Cup of Chowder on Twitter. You can follow Sky at, that Sky, at uh, Sky on Air on um, Twitter. You can follow Adam Denhard at, I believe, your Creative Anomaly That's it. on Twitter. There you go. But don't follow, you follow me. me... terrible idea. Good. Strong disagree. <laughs> You can follow me, Jake Reiser, at Jake Reiser on Twitter. You can catch us all on com. And as always, have a great night, guys. Keep listening to this podcast. We'll keep bringing you guys the good content you deserve.